Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of So Important. The track you heard was Energy. It is from Jim Wilson's fantastic new album entitled Now Playing, and Jim is our guest today. Now, when I think of Jim, I think diversity. He has played with everyone, from Emmy Lou Harris to the guys from Anthrax. He tours regularly with Daniel Lenoy. He has played with Sparks, and he has his own band, Motor Sister, a long-running outfit from Los Angeles. Jim, how did I do? Did I cover it? Uh, sure. It's always strange to uh, hear it back because you just kind of live it day by day. And then when uh, you realize how many different angles I've been coming at people, it, it's really nice. You know, it's nice to know that I've been able to uh, work myself into all that different kind of music. So when it comes down to making my own music, it turns into a big uh, melting pot. It all goes back to just being in love with music. That love of music really comes out on your new album, which I've been listening to a lot. It's gritty little bit of the Rolling Stones in there. I hear some funk. Just hear all kinds of great things. And I wonder if you want to talk Thanks. about that, including some of the very special guests that you have with you on that album. It's really exciting for me because uh, the feedback has been really great for the couple weeks that the record has been out. And I, and I know that people are enjoying it. And that means a lot because, you know, this time I really felt like I was onto something with the songwriting. I kind of stopped playing guitar to write songs. If I have a song idea, I just usually these days try to complete it in my head. If that makes any sense because then I don't have as many choices. If I'm holding a, a guitar in my hand, you know, I might throw in a uh, B flat minor or something that doesn't really belong there just because I was searching for something. I've been letting the songs be more organic by just letting the music find itself kind of thing and it seems to be working and uh, I can almost tell now when I come up with something that that's good or that's not good. Keep working on that. Forget about that. Whereas when one is younger or, you know, hungry, sometimes you might even write a song that sounds like something on the radio or something. So I, I just kind of ditched all that. Also, I have to give big credit to producer Phil Jones, who's also the drummer on the record. You know, I would just bring the songs over to his studio and play him the song, and then uh, we would record it together. We would also let the song sit and see what uh, we felt like it needed. And Phil had some great ideas, and he knows some great players, and uh, there's some great saxophone from Ron Jubra on the record. He's just a rock and roll sax king, you know, and it's a tough thing to get into horns with rock and roll because we don't want to make it too smooth or whatever but how many Rolling Stones records have sax solos tons of them you know what I mean through Phil also I uh, met Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers Bruno Oldham is on the record he plays keyboard he played with Neil Young and Bob Dylan and he uh, played with Wilson Pickett and a legend you know he's on I Can't Hear You that's so, uh, one of the great songs and you know it's, it's really great to hear these amazing musicians that you have with you also told me that you have a pretty impressive record collection. How many records do you have? 
I think that I probably have about 10,000 LPs. Before I got to play music for a living, I worked in a couple great record stores in LA, so I really got to get some choice stuff. And there's probably 10 bands that I, that I really collect, being Beatles and the Stones are the two that I always, that made me, you know, fall in love with music and want to collect records. But uh, I still keep the Beatles and the Stones pretty uh, up to date, and I have some pretty rare stuff uh, with both of those. Uh, there's Sparks, of course. I've been collecting Sparks records my whole life. Another big one for me is Paul Revere and the Raiders, a 60s band that I just, uh, for whatever reason, I've been obsessed with. I like everything, you know, and that's why I have to have every Stevie Wonder album. I have to have every Led Zeppelin record. I have to have every David Bowie record. I have to have every Velvet Underground, you know. I just, uh, and I listen to music constantly. If I'm not working on something on my own, then I, I just need the, the noise in the background. And that probably comes from working at record stores too, and, you know, getting to work at 9 a.m. and somebody puts on James addiction or something and you know kind of how my days started when i first moved to california so that's uh whenever i have free time and i'm home i'm cleaning records playing them and filing them you know and uh not to mention my 45s too i have uh, probably about 150 in a box and i probably have about 25 boxes or so and i don't keep a lot of that stuff either like i could buy everything if i really uh, wanted to and, and i'm touring with daniel it's, it's super fun because i get to go record shopping everywhere and you know bring home a bunch of stuff if you see me on an airplane coming back to LA, chances are I probably have about 60 albums in my carry-on, but that's the only way I can do it, you know? Did you have any idea that it was going to become such an obsession and you're going to have so many records? I've always been obsessed with records, kind of what made me a huge music fan. Even before I could read and went to school, I was uh, would get hand-me-downs from my mom's brothers and sisters. I loved the labels. I loved the, finding out who wrote the songs and who sang the songs and which one was a hit. There's a sad story that goes along with it. When I moved from Delaware, I sold a bunch of stuff to help pay for the trip, and I brought probably about a thousand albums with me in a van uh, lined up around the, the back of the van on the floor, and then uh, hit Texas, and uh, there was a huge thunderstorm that I drove through for a couple hours and then got to the hotel and realized that the floor of the van was completely drenched and all those records were ruined. But uh, that, was, that was a great thing in the long run, because not only did I replace everything, it just, just taught a lesson that don't get hung up on these things. I don't collect records to like sell them or anything. I, I'm actually kind of the opposite. I just, there's a copy of Meet the Beatles at the record store. I probably have five of that album already, but sometimes I just, I just can't help it. You know, if there's a slight difference or if it's a slightly different pressing, it's just uh, something that keeps me busy and keeps me listening to music and keeps me in check. And again, when I, when I worked in record stores, I, I learned about so much music that, you know, I realized that life isn't just Beatles and Stones and Motown. Right, there's right. jazz and there's blues and, you know, country music. When when you're a teenager, everything is, you gotta have your favorite band, you gotta like a style. What kind of music do you like, you know, and, and you can answer in one, one sentence, you know, but uh, as I got older, I just realized how much I love Ernest Tubb and how much I love Marty Robbins and uh, T-Rex or whatever. It, it doesn't I, I matter love, to me. I, I love just, those uh, guys too. Thank you. 
So what are some of your favorites from your collection? The precious ones to me are could be as dumb as a really rare Bay City Rollers record or something that I've only seen one time in my life. I have a list, of course, of everything that I have because it would be ridiculous not to. And I have to take the list with me because uh, I always think that, oh, I don't have that. And then, of course, I do, you know. But uh, I'm, going, I'm, I'm making a separate Beatles list now and going through every record and kind of giving a description of what it is. You know, this is a long, a long-term thing, but uh, probably the one record that I think is my most rare one here, and I got this when I worked at Aaron's Records in Hollywood. A customer came in and brought a collection, and there were about 10 James Brown records, a bunch of cool James Brown records. So, of course, I bought them all. And when it was uh, lunchtime, I took the records home and uh, was sitting there looking at them, and then I looked at the back of this one James Brown album called Showtime, and for whatever reason, John Lennon signed the back cover of the James Brown record. Of all, mm-hmm. you know, I have autographs from tons of people and stuff that I've got myself, but it's a pretty big one, I think, you know. Also, when I was in Germany with Daniel and Brian Blade, we heard that Klaus Vormann, uh, the Beatles' friend that did the Revolver album cover and played bass for John Lennon, and we heard that he was coming to the show, and I had just bought a copy of Revolver in Denmark, and I had it in the bus. So when Klaus Vormann came backstage, I said, if I go grab my copy of Revolver, would you sign it for me? And he said, of course. And his friend said, why do you have a copy of Revolver? <laughs> it's like, I always have a copy of Revolver. Things like that come in handy. So I have that on my wall, uh, signed by the artist. I have to say, I admire your tenacity and your enjoyment of this hobby. It sounds like it's just something that's really fun for you. It keeps me going. You know, I, I know that uh, for whatever reason, some people don't listen to music as much as I do. A lot of musicians, they, you know, listen to it here and there or whatever. But even when I was a kid, I, I was listening to 60s and 70s more than whatever was current at the time. And I think that's just because those artists were in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you had to be a good musician to make records. And sadly, that stopped. And I'm not even talking about, you know, I love the Velvet Underground, but some people might say they're not that great musician-wise or whatever. But songwriting and everything, you know, that's what I look for in the classic music. Uh, what's next for Jim Wilson? Lots of good stuff. Just this past month, my friend Pearl put out her second album, and I co-wrote all the songs on that with her. So going to New York next week and doing a few shows there with Doc and, and Maine also. And then uh, I got a few solo gigs coming up in August and then we're going to start working on the next Motor Sister record. Also going to be working on music with Bernard Fowler, the guy who sings with the Rolling Stones. He's been coming to my shows and calling me and uh, he asked me if I would come up with some stuff for his next albums. That's a perfect fit. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything that you want to add? Keep listening. Not just you, everybody. Thanks for thanks for the support and there's some good stuff coming up. I can't wait to hear your new stuff. I'm sure it's going to be just as good as the stuff you're putting out now. Thanks very much. That was Jim Wilson, a fine musician and a truly great guy. I am so glad he joined us. If our show has a motto, it may be, come for the guest, stay for the show, meaning that a lot of folks come in to hear a specific guest. I hope you'll stay for the show and hear many of the interesting people that we have lined up. And for those who are loyal listeners, always glad to have you with us. Go ahead, take that minute and give us a rating on iTunes, leave a little review, put us on your favorite podcast carrier, all those good things. Now we are going to leave you with one of my favorite tracks of the album. It's called I Can't Hear You, beautiful music from Jim Wilson. Jim, bring us home.